on today's episode of The Tax Playbook, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. We're going to talk about tax buckets. There's three of them, taxable bucket, tax deferred, and tax free. But we're going to talk about the taxable bucket, the least tax efficient bucket. This is Marcus Warren, financial advisor, tax enrolled agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks. Let's get on to the show. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. All right, so here we are once again for another episode of the Tax Playbook Podcast. And so today we're going to spend about 12 minutes talking about the taxable bucket. So for those of you who have heard me on the radio or who have attended my workshops, we talk about the taxable bucket. And there are three of those, uh, I said earlier, taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. So we're going to just spend some time on the taxable bucket, and we'll talk about the rest in later episodes. So what is the taxable bucket? So the tax bucket, or the taxable bucket, it contains investments where every year, as your investments grow, you get to pay a tax. And so what are we talking about here? We're talking about things like savings accounts, checking accounts, money market accounts, CDs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, pretty much anything that is not in a company retirement plan or a qualified plan. And how can you tell if you have money in this taxable bucket? Well, every year, you're going to get what we call a love letter from your financial institution, and that's called a 1099. And it basically says, hey, your money grew by this amount, and now you're going to have to give a portion of that back to the IRS in the form of a tax bill. So this is the most, um, or it's probably not the most efficient uh, investment or bucket uh, that's out there. But, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, look, you can have as much money as you want in that taxable bucket as long as you recognize that there, that there is some sort of financial consequence if you keep a lot of money in there. Uh, it's the least efficient of all of them, and that's because you get to pay a tax every year on all of the growth. And it doesn't seem like a big deal to some to pay that growth along the way, but when you take those financial inefficiencies and you amortize that out over a lifetime, uh, it can cost you easily a few hundred thousands of dollars or whatever I'm trying to say there. But basically, it's really important that you identify how much money you should keep in that taxable account, in those taxable accounts. So this is one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about today. How much money should you keep in uh, those taxable accounts? So most financial experts would agree that the ideal balance that you should have in that taxable bucket is going to depend on your, it's going to depend on a few things, your marital status, it's going to depend on whether you, uh, both spouses are working, um, it's going to depend on whether you're a business owner or not. So the general rule of thumb is that if you are married and you have two stable incomes, or just the general rule of thumb regardless, is that you should have at least six months worth of income in that taxable bucket. And we're talking about living expenses, not expenses that you would put uh, in a 401k or anything like that. Um, uh, Because if an emergency were to happen, you wouldn't be able to put 
money into uh, the 401k. You wouldn't be able to go on vacations or uh, pay tax on the income that uh, you were getting because you're no longer earning that if you were laid off or something like that. So you need an emergency fund, six months worth of living expenses. Um, And that's basically the general amount or the general rule of thumb of what should be in your taxable bucket. Now, what you have to understand is that in that bucket, that is where you place your least valuable dollars. And so what do I mean when I say least valuable dollars? Now, if you really want to take a dive uh, into the brain of the IRS, uh, just look at the contribution limits that they define for each of these types of accounts that I've I've been talking about. So let's do a brief review. For example, you have your Roth IRA, which is your tax-free bucket. And we'll probably talk about the tax-free bucket on another episode, but uh, they limit how much you can put in there. You can only put, if you're older than 50, about $7,000 in your Roth IRA and about $25,000 in your Roth 401k. Now, you know what that tells me? that there's something good about the Roth, there's something pretty compelling about that account if the IRS is only going to allow me to put a certain amount of money in there. Now, even the tax-deferred bucket, you can put $7,000 if you're over 50 or $25,000 in some sort of traditional IRA or traditional 401k. So what does that tell you? The same thing. If there's something pretty, pretty, pretty good about uh, those traditional IRAs or that tax-deferred bucket. Not quite as good as tax-free, but there is something that the IRS deems pretty nice. All right, so let's look back at the taxable bucket. Grandma, you didn't pay your taxes? I would have, but I didn't have any money. So let me, um, let me uh, ask you a question. If you won, let's say the lottery, the Powerball, Would the IRS be okay if you stuck every last dime of those dollars in your taxable bucket? Of course they would, because there's no limit on how much money you can put in your taxable bucket. And that's why we say that you have to be contributing to this bucket in a very defined and efficient way, because that's basically where the IRS wants you to keep the most of your money. Because as your money grows each and every single year, you're going to have to pay a tax. So if that's an investment that you, um, so you win the lottery, you put money in, you have your investments in there and you're paying that money each and every year, um, it's not as efficient as you think it would be. Let me give you a quick example. If you have a dollar and you double that dollar uh, for 20 times, that dollar grows to a little over a million dollars. However, if you take that same dollar and you're going to double it along the way, but you take taxes out along the way. We'll say 30% tax bracket. How much do you think you have after those 20 periods? Unfortunately, you're going to have less people, less than $30,000. From the time they get up in the morning and flush the toilet, they're taxed. Then they go and get a coffee, they're taxed. They get into their car, they're taxed. They go to the gas station, they're taxed. They go for lunch, they're taxed. And this goes on all day long. Tax, 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 tax. You know, and the other thing that we have to recognize is that in a rising tax rate environment, we really want to have a finite amount of money 
in our taxable and tax-deferred buckets. Because remember, let's just take a look at the taxable bucket. So if your bucket, if your bucket grows every year, uh, your 1099 or your tax bill is likewise going to grow. And that's the first part. All right. So the second part is if we're in a rising tax rate environment, every time tax rates go up, the taxes that you're going to pay are on that ever-increasing balance in that taxable bucket is also going to grow. That's what we call basically the double compounding problem. So you can get to the point where over the course of, say, a 10-year uh, period, if your balance grew by just 1% each year and taxes go up by just 1% each year, you would get to the point where you're almost doubling your taxes in that tax bucket. So you have to be very you have to be very cognizant on how much money you have in that taxable bucket and recognize that it has a purpose. And that's only and should be primarily to serve your emergency fund need. Now, you might say, okay, Marcus, uh, I am trying to save for a wedding, for a down payment on a house. Um, and those are the types of things that you do want in, 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 that, in those accounts, that, that taxable bucket. But what you don't want to do is say, okay, uh, I'm nervous about life. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm, no, I'm nervous about where the, the, the world is heading, and I want to have five years of living expenses in that bucket. Now, of course you can, but as long as you recognize that you're paying a tax that is otherwise an avoidable or optional tax. All right, so, and I always remember this too, that there are taxes in life that uh, you have to pay, and then there, there are taxes in life that you're not required to pay. And my job is to try to help you understand how to give as little to the IRS as you possibly can. Um, there are, um, speaking of uh, little to the IRS, there are, uh, there's another financial consequence of having too much money in your, in your taxable bucket. And you have to remember that, you know, those 1099s that we talked about, uh, they uh, basically say, hey, you're going to have to pay a tax at the end of the year. But it also, those 1099s also count for your retirees out there especially ones who are getting Social Security, it counts as something that's called provisional income. So those 1099s count as provisional income. So what is provisional income? It's the income that the IRS keeps track of to determine if they're going to tax your Social Security. So I'll give you an example. So I had a couple um, uh, late last year who came into the office and they were super savers. They loved to save their money um, and put it in uh, uh, checking accounts and CDs. As a matter of fact, they had like nine CDs or so um, with about $100,000 each in nine different banks uh, sitting in their taxable bucket. And um, they came to me and we were, we were talking and they said, we probably think that we're paying too much in taxes. And I was like, Tyco which means thank you, Captain Obvious. But uh, of course, I didn't say that to them. But um, I digress. So um, not only having that money in those CDs sitting in those nine bank accounts, they were getting that 1099, and that was just causing their Social Security to be taxed each and every year. So it's not just the tax that you're paying um, uh, on on your on your 1099s, it's also the fact that you could lose up to one third of your Social Security due to having paying too much tax or having too much money in that taxable bucket. Um, so here are the thresholds that you have to worry about. If you're single and you have more than thirty four thousand dollars of provisional income, then um, you're going to have to pay 
a tax on your Social Security. If you're married and you have more than $44,000 of provisional income, you're going to have to pay a tax. What is that tax? Basically, up to 85% of your Social Security becomes taxable at your highest marginal tax bracket just for having too much money in those buckets. So this begs a question. All right, Marcus, I'm maxing out my 401k. I'm maxing out my Roth IRA. What can I do with the cash above and beyond six months worth of living expenses in that taxable bucket? Everybody has to pay taxes. Even businessmen that rob and steal and cheat from people every day, even they have to pay taxes. Well, what can you do? Um, you can direct or what we call asset shift, systematic, basically systematically move money from that taxable bucket to the tax-free bucket. So if you max out your Roth and you still have money left over, um, sometimes you can utilize um, uh, life insurance as a tool, life insurance retirement plans, and we'll probably do a whole episode on that. But basically what it is, uh, it's, the, it's really the opposite of what most people do when it comes to life insurance. Most people get uh, as much death benefit as they can uh, for as little money as possible. But for the life insurance as a, as a retirement tool, we're talking about getting as little life uh, insurance as you can, as the IRS requires, and putting as much cash in it as the IRS allows. And that's one way. And by the way, there's no limit to the amount of money that you can put in those types of accounts. So that's a strategy. And so really, there's no excuse to have a balance that's too high in your taxable bucket because there are so many different options that you can utilize uh, to get down to that ideal of, of amount of money, uh, which is that six months worth of living expenses. Um, and so you can fund Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks that we talked about. Uh, you can use money in that taxable bucket to pay taxes for any Roth conversions that you do. You could live out of that bucket. Uh, you could have your company withhold a greater amount of your paychecks so it, it goes towards a Roth 401k or something like that. But there are a number of different things. And so the moral of the story when it comes to this taxable bucket is that you can have too much money in there from a tax efficient standpoint. And you cannot have enough. Um, you can't, you can't have, you can't have enough uh, from an emergency fund standpoint. So what we're looking for is just that right amount. What is the right amount? We said it. Generally speaking, it's about six months worth of living expenses, but that's the amount that you need to look at because if you have too much money in there, it gets financially inefficient and you'll have to pay unnecessary taxes over time. All right. So that's all I have for today. Next week, we're going to talk about the tax deferred bucket, AKA the ticking tax time bomb. This is Marcus Warren. Thanks for listening. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah.